that final week. In some regards, it might be too late to change your ways. But I checked, and there is a five-day opportunity. So if you haven't corrected your ways, you can still correct your ways and get more than coal in your stocking this week. I'm glad to see you today. It is a special time of the year, very special in many regards, and I, I hope that it is a very uh, good time, fortunate time for you, for your family, for your loved ones in a good way. And here we are today, maybe a little different in some of the things I have to say today probably than I would normally say on a day like this, but I call this the Christmas confusion. And I don't want you to be too disturbed about what I had to say in the beginning, and I think we'll get to the point here. You know, I was going to share it at the end of the lesson, but I'd like to share it right now. Here we are, I believe, 118 years, 118 years and a couple of days, past December the 17th, 1903. On December the 7th, uh, 17th, 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright flew their flyer. They flew their flyer 120 feet. After it was done and they, they recognized the, the feasibility of what they were beginning to do and saw the opportunity beginning to rise, after they had done that and gotten their flyer back in place, they went back and they telegraphed their sister Catherine. And they sent her a note saying, we, we have actually flown 120 feet today. We will be home for Christmas. She was extremely excited to receive the word and thought it was something worth sharing in the hometown. And so they went to the newspaper. She went to the newspaper editor. And as she, as she confronted him, she said, listen to this. And she told him that they had actually flown their flyer and gone 120 feet through the air and that they would be home for Christmas. The newspaper editor looked over his glasses, looked at her and said, oh, how sweet. The boys will be home for Christmas. He missed it. He missed the great news. He missed the most important news. He missed yeah, it was great that they would be home for Christmas, but he didn't even acknowledge one of the greatest events in American history when Wilbur and Orville Wright determined that man could fly. In Luke, the second chapter, Luke, the second chapter, in a familiar reading to most people, and you hear it a lot during this time of the year, Beginning in verse 9, it says, And the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. That's some shepherds. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, with that passage in mind, and that's one that's familiar this time of year, I want to give you a contrasting passage. It's found in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 1. For there Solomon wrote, A good name is better than precious ointment, and listen to this line, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. And yet we still celebrate. We celebrate births. 
We celebrate when a baby is born. We get excited about it. We think that's the most marvelous event on the face of the earth. And it is. It is a great event. We celebrate the births of babies. When children are born, it's an exciting time. And we mourn. And we weep at the time of death. But what Solomon is telling us is, it is the culmination of the life. It's the fullness of the life that is the reason for honor, the reason for celebration. And so back to this time of the year. At this time of year, we hear a lot of interesting things. A lot of them are fun. There's some great music that we share ages upon ages of music that we bring together and we, and we listen to. If you listen to the same station that I occasionally have on, you hear the same songs over and over and over and over and over and over again. By the time the season's done, you don't want to hear them anymore. But that's beside the point. But it, you hear some great music. You can hear echoes of Andy Williams, of Perry Como, of Bing Crosby. You'll find out who they are later, Kyle. They're just about everywhere you go. There are stories that we read and we share with our children. And who among us has not figuratively visited the ghosts of past and present and future Christmas? And then there are those people who have a little more culture in their lives. And they go to the theaters, and they flock to the theaters at this time of year to hear Tchaikovsky's music and watch the ballet performance of the Nutcracker. And I guess then there are few of the children among us who do not know something of that white-haired gentleman in the red suit that makes his way around and drops through chimneys to bring presents and place them in their homes. Perhaps, perhaps, there were even some who snuck out to see Mama giving Santa Claus a kiss. So what am I telling you? There may still be few who cannot quote at least a line or two from Clement Moore's poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, or we commonly call it The Night Before Christmas, Even if all we remember of it all is happy Christmas to all. Some say merry, but it says happy. Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. I'm not telling you something you don't know. There's another thing. For at this time of year, we also hear a story. A story of the birth of Jesus is commonly told and repeated. We may even see it enacted in church parking lots and imagined visages of it in places around. With all of these things stated, I go back to the title of the lesson, The Christmas Confusion. For I was thinking about one of the songs that is commonly played on the radio these days, that radio station, as I said, the one that plays the Christmas songs, I think since about September. And that song carries the line, and listen to this. 
And man shall live forevermore because of Christmas Day. So what I have to say is not really so much about the birth of Jesus. For if I was to pick a date for the birth of Jesus, like they did many, many years ago, and decide that's the day that some wanted to celebrate it, I'd pick February 14th, because I think all the best people were born on February 14th. I just wish Arliss was here to share it with me. We do. Anyway. But what I really want to share with you is about having perspective. Perspective on his birth, on his life, speaking of Jesus, and of his death and much more. So let me tell you, I believe it is a fact that Jesus was born. I have no doubt in my mind. I believe it with all my heart that he was born. There's some that say that there's more evidence for the life of Jesus than there is for many of our historical figures, even in our own country in the last couple of hundred years or so. You may know the name Lew Wallace, or it may not ring a bell with you, but Lew Wallace was a general in the Civil War. He also became the governor of New Mexico, but he was something of a disbeliever. And in his studies, he tried to decide, was Jesus a fraud or was he not? And really set out to determine that Jesus truly was a fraud. But as he studied and as he searched his records and everything he could find and study throughout his research, he didn't come to the conclusion that Jesus was a fraud, but he came to be a true believer. And the result of his transformed belief is found in several writings, but especially in one that many know from the novel and especially the movie, Ben-Hur. He became a believer. And if you stop and think about it a little bit, and while history deals with people, or you think about how many notable figures, both secular and religious, have undergone intense scrutiny and even defamation as we have examined them this way and that, and found the things that we wanted to find within them. But not so with Jesus. He remains the same. As you know, history often has a way of separating the fact from the printed legend. And it is not done so with Jesus. So we have heard the story and we've read the story many times. And there's no doubt that the timing, an approximate year, And the facts of the story are not to be denied, even by unbelievers, not necessarily denied. Yes, there are half-truths, if you want to call them that, distortions in the story and the tales and even in the songs that are sung, as I mentioned. But let me offer to you just a few facts. Jesus was born. He was born to a betrothed woman named Mary. He was born in Bethlehem at the time that they were there to undergo a census. He was, as the scripture says, laid in a manger, an animal's feeding trough. As the, the town was filled and there was no room for them to stay in the inn. There were shepherds to whom the announcement was made. They received that angelic announcement and they made their way to find that baby in Bethlehem and to see that baby there. And they told everyone else that they could tell of what they heard. Yes, and there were even so-called wise men 
Not there that evening, I think. But there were wise men who did travel from the east and came to the king in search of the new king born, ultimately making their way to where the child was somewhere and sometime after the child was born. And they did bring those gifts so listed in Scripture. So there are facts about the story and things that are fairly plain and fairly obvious. And the birth of Jesus truly is, without a doubt, a marvelous story. It's a true story. It's one worth honor. It's one worth celebrating. It's one worth recognizing. It's one of a kind. It is one that is unique. And when we look at the story, we recognize it is a story about God's love. For no one does what he did for humanity. No one brings such to this world of himself without love. It was a story of planning that goes back ages from the time of Adam and Eve to the preparation for this that would take place at this time. And it was a story of power bringing about a child in the way that they did. No earthly father involved. Born of a virgin, he became a unique being in this world. And that story, that marvelous story of his birth, is the beginning It is just the beginning, but it is the beginning of the forward movement of the greatest event of all humanity since the beginning of time. It is not the greatest event, but it is the movement towards the greatest event from the beginning of all time. And so when we look at the things that took place, and we look at what comes to mind at the time of year, I think we need to stop and say, what is the usable value I find within the story? I don't mean to be a downer on it by any means. But what is the usable value? A pretty story? A wonderful story of two people and a child that was born? We think of swaddling claws and a baby laid in a manger, the celebration of shepherds. We make up songs and we... We hear about drummer boys and voices that sing. But there is a greater story and a broader truth. We don't want to be like that newspaper editor when he heard the news of Orville and Wilbur Wright's flight, said, oh, it's nice, they'll be coming home for Christmas, and miss the greater story. The life of Jesus was a very real human life. Yes, he was born, and maybe it's hard for us to imagine Jesus truly as a baby and growing up in a household. He had a childhood, and we read in the latter part of Luke chapter 2, some of that childhood, a little bit of at least one journey. We read of what went on in their home, the love that was there. We see the picture of two people who cared about Jesus and raised him. He had a childhood. Imagine him in the streets of Bethlehem. Imagine him with the other children there. Imagine him in the synagogue school and sitting there and listening and being tutored and trained. Imagine him as he he ate dinner with his family. Imagine him working with his father in carpentry work. Imagine this Jesus that's growing up in the early years of his life. For it wasn't until he reached adulthood, but then he has a ministry. And as that adult, he spread his ministry of teaching. 
and benevolent miracles and works among people for the time that he was teaching and preaching before that crucifixion event. Peter would say of him, he went about doing good. This Jesus who was given this job went about doing good. Acts 10, verse 38. And yes, he had a life-giving sacrificial death. Paul says he was, he did die and he did rise. And he becomes that one who goes before us, that first fruits he calls him in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15. He becomes the hope and the opportunity for us. In that sacrificial death, in the atoning sacrifice that is made there, he becomes in that greatest of events, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We see his birth leads to this. For it is in that life-giving sacrificial death the atonement is found. And he becomes, as John calls him, the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole of the world. And it is through his resurrection that follows that he leaves for us a legacy of realized hope so that we are not, we are not lost. We are not without hope. We don't have hope just in him in this world, but we have hope in him eternally. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. Oh, yes, I know. We love births. And we love babies. A lot of the hospitals these days, if you're in a hospital, and we haven't been there as much these days, have we? But if you're in a hospital at the time a baby is born, many of the hospitals, they play a tune over the loudspeakers. And you say, oh, somebody has just had a child. And if you're like me and you happen to be in the hospitals, and I may have frequented them more than the average person does, but you go by and you go by the nursery and you look at the babies in the nursery. And you smile at the babies in the nursery there. And you think about them. And what a blessing it is. We love births and we love babies. We celebrate with fancy parties and happy smiles. And parents and grandparents Show off the child. But why? Babies don't do anything except cry and mess their diapers and eat. Why celebrate the baby? Why celebrate the birth that caused discomfort? The time that the mother carried and then ultimately gives birth and the, the challenge that that is. Why celebrate that? We celebrate it because of the life. We celebrate it because of the prospect. For we celebrate the babies because they represent the future with optimism and hope. In them we see beyond the present moment to what the possibilities yet are. We love the births of babies. So what am I saying to you today? I think you got it. But let me kind of go over it a little bit anyway. Yes, it's a great story that Jesus was born. A marvelous miracle involved in it. 
It's worth remembering. It's worth celebrating. It's worth honoring in all that sense. But the question again is why? It's because of the life. It's because of what became of him. It's what, about what he came to do and what he came to accomplish. That peace on earth, goodwill to men, was not the birth of Jesus. It was the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. So what I offer to you this morning in thought is that while we hear the strains and the world is singing about a silent night, we have even more to consider. And again, it's not to dismiss by any means or make light of the wondrous event that was the birth of Jesus. Whenever it took place. For the when is kind of immaterial. But it is to see the life of Jesus. To see his life in the fullness that it was. And what it means to us even now. So let me leave you with a thought. Not my own thought, but Bill Gaither's song, I think, captures it very well. For he says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living. Because he lives. When Joseph and Mary made their way to Bethlehem, under Roman order, Mary knew something special was there, and so did Joseph. But I don't know that they had any idea what they were dealing with. But time and opportunity gives us the clearest picture of all. He came to live, to die and rise again that we might live. We're going to sing that song of encouragement this morning. If there's someone who needs to respond this day, it's a great opportunity for you. Maybe you've considered the needs in your life. Maybe you need to correct some things in your life. And if you need the public prayers, we're gladly here to, uh, to help you and pray with you and get you in the right direction and to be your family. If there are other needs you have, please let the opportunity be yours. And if you do need to respond, come while we stand, while we sing together.